0: We are the creators of reality. Those who have mastered perseverance. Those who thrive despite attempts to thwart us. Those who make magic at the root of the very trees they hung us from. We are the mountains and the rivers. We are the sun and the moon. We are sand and gems, we are the first and the final, we be big and small, we be light and dark, we be seasoned and youthful, we be sensual and sacred, those gifted and divine, those powerful and radical, those vibrant and ancestral, we are the creators of reality, we are the Black Oasis. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Black Oasis Podcast. I'm your host, Kaya Supreme. And today, our special guest is the Alana Bell. Welcome, 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 welcome. Thank you, thank you. I
1: am so glad to be here. I appreciate the invite, Kaya. Absolutely.
0: So, today, we are going to talk about some self care. We're going to talk about um, artistry, organizing, and just get your perspective and your point of view on and your contribution to the Oasis. So Black Oasis is a metaphor. Um, it's essentially we're trying to create a safe space, a hush harbor of sorts, a place where Black people can come, lay it all down, hammer it out, talk about things that are important for our health and wellness as a people. Um, and so if you could conceptualize an oasis for black people? What would have to be a part of the oasis?
1: Um, I think for me, what would have to be a part of the oasis is like intentional rest. Mm. Um, I think a lot of times black people are so caught up in just the energy it takes to survive and to survive on a daily basis. That we don't really prioritize rest, we don't really prioritize taking care of ourselves in that way. Um, yeah, I think intentional sleep, intentional even if it isn't sleep, but just intentional moments of silence, intentional breaks from responsibilities from other people, from your own thoughts. Um, I think
0: will create like a much healthier society,
1: okay.
0: and um, recently. Um, I got an opportunity to attend a workshop that you had where we were writing haiku. Um, mm-hmm. What is it about poetry for you that um, aids in your self care and your your self expression?
1: Yeah, so um, I went to performing arts schools from kindergarten through twelfth grade until I graduated. So poetry has been like a vital part of just how I've taught myself how to self-care, how I've taught myself how to express how I'm feeling and it's even more necessary now. Um, You know, the older you get, the more complicated life gets because you have a greater understanding of how the world works Um, and I think taking time to not only you know assess and analyze like how you're feeling but also taking time to like unpack and unload all of that stuff so it's not just like sitting in your brain is necessary and for me i'm um, doing it in a creative way makes it feel more healing as opposed to just another task with another mental health like being to check off my list
0: so um you're in organizing you do organizing work. How did you happen to stumble upon organizing? <laughs> um, and it was really
1: that it was like a happenstance, a happenstance stumbling sort of situation. Um, it was around Tamir Rice protest in Cleveland a few years ago and I have went to one of the protests just with the intention of attending. Um and You know, my gut wasn't sitting right with how the people who were facilitating the protests were going. Um, And I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, another black woman. And the conversation that we were having was overheard by elders in the space. Mm -hmm. And then they, it wasn't really a question they told us. (laughs) They told us that we needed to take over the protest. So that's kind of what we did. Um, And it was really, like, this very, very, like, intense learn-as-you-go sort of test um, to go from never doing any organizing to guiding, you know, almost 3,000 people through downtown Cleveland um, and keeping everybody safe and making sure, like, nobody got arrested, nobody got hurt, and everybody got to, you know, do what we came to do, but also got to go home. And so from then, it just sort of spiraled and talking to people, learning things, um, getting more experience into what organizing looks like on the ground, as far as like, you know, the whole movement for Black Lives, the Black Lives Matter movement, but also um, in what organizing looks like from a more, I guess, formal standpoint. So like being an organizer for nonprofits who have specific social justice related purposes. So it was, like, an accident, <laughs> but it was definitely fake.
0: Yeah, and that brings me to, like, my next question. Like, what do you think your purpose is? Like, what were you created to do?
1: Um, that is a very good question. Purpose, I think, is a funny um, It's a funny thing because it's something that I've been thinking about internally for a long time, and I don't know yet. Um, I think what brings me joy is knowing that we can if we work collectively everybody can have the things that they need to be happy and healthy and safe um and also I think that is my motivation as far as my purpose I'm not 100% sure because you know like what we like to do isn't always what we are meant to do um and I'm still figuring that out
0: so, I work for you at Karen Action. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Shout, out yes. Karen Action. Um, Shout out to Karen Action. Shout out Karen. And um, this journey through canvassing and calling people and trying to get people registered to vote and, and inform people about um, our local elections and our national elections has been very. Um, In light, I um I worked for Karen Action before during the Stacey Abrams campaign, and Mm -hmm. um that's when I realized that Atlanta and Georgia were two totally, totally different things. Like yeah,
1: yeah. (laughs) Oh man, you're in Atlanta, and it was a. You're not uh-huh. here, it was something that I learned like the hard way, both like socially and politically. When I moved down here, I'm like, oh, we were with Atlanta. It's going to be great. There's going to be black people everywhere. We're all <laughs> going to be happy and thriving and healthy. And then like, as soon as I hit the Georgia border on my drive down here, I was like, well, well, where <laughs> are we? <laughs> Right. you know um because georgia is very um georgia is very conservative georgia is very republican georgia is very you know capitalist and atlanta is capitalist too but it's much more liberal and democratic leaning and accepting and you know there's a much greater sense of community in atlanta than it is in georgia
0: period and like i really um I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I've been called so many racial slurs before in my life just going from that season to going door to door. Um, shout out to Lilliburn, Georgia. I don't know if I've been called like so many names. Like I, it was really a, a shocker for me. And then when we do this work on the phone, we're definitely liable to be be yeah. called some things. And, and so like, even it's an organizing work, having to um, I just think about protesting and I think about, you know, we're being proactive. And I feel like what we do is a form of protest as well. But um, Absolutely. how do you how do we combat? How do we recenter ourselves um, in response to the hatred that's shouted at us on a regular basis? How do you how do you combat that? Oh, that is a
1: very tough one, um, because who I am as an individual and who I am as an employee of care and action are not the same person um and for me when it comes to social justice organizing on my own time um my patience for like blatant racism sexism you know homophobia all of that like I don't have a lot of time (laughs) I don't have a lot of space or energy for it and so when it comes to addressing people who are being offensive intentionally um you know when they go low we can play limbo you know we can (laughs) you know we can both see how low we can go um but when it comes to how I have to show up at work it's very much um How do I want to say this? How I have to show up at work is very much just, um, you know, water off a duck's back, you know, I have to let everything just sort of roll off because, you know, intrinsically, we know none of this is about us as individuals. You don't know me. You can be as upset as you want, but you calling me a nigger is about you you calling me all kinds of names um, simply because of my race is about you and about your shortcomings and insecurities and your failings because you fumbled the white supremacy bag that's on you Um, but when it yeah so i am more responsible when i'm at work with how i let other people view me um, because i'm not just representing myself i am representing a whole organization And while I'm comfortable answering to my actions for myself, I'm not necessarily comfortable putting other people and other institutions at risk in that same way. Mm -hmm. Um, So at work, I let stuff roll off my back. Outside of work, um, you know,
0: I got hands
1: and hands,
0: so. I got hands. (laughs) Come on. So like, and I just think about that, like, uh, do you watch Lovecraft Country? I haven't yet. I need to get somebody's login mm. so I can watch it,
1: but I am, like, equally excited and terrified. Like, I, I'm a, I'm a whole punk out here, so scary movies and scary things are not really my bad. But this whole, like, Jordan Peel-esque, like, black horror, but we know who the real monsters are kind of thing is so intriguing. Um, and it's also, like, cathartic in a way to watch these stories play out and watch you know what we know to be true be shown on screen in like these creative ways
0: it's phenomenal you gotta watch it um i'll hook you up but um appreciate it it. (laughs) there is a part um where one of the characters ruby baptiste um uh, makes a statement about black women being interrupted and that thing blessed me. And when you were talking about, you know, how we have to govern ourselves accordingly at work versus who we are, you know, naturally in just our bodies as ourselves out in the world being two different things. But that really is something that I think gets taken for granted. and doesn't necessarily get emphasized of how often Black people have to, um, like respectability politics, like codes, you know, like how often Black people have to show up in a particular way to be employed and to stay employed. And some of that can be draining in itself you know like some of that can be really hard to mm-hmm. navigate because Absolutely. like all the time i, I just think about myself and in, in some of, in some other spaces i have like 50 11 jobs so in some other mm-hmm. jobs like you know and i'm trying to work toward progressing i'm trying to work toward um you know creating businesses and elevating myself and I'm in college and, you know, applying mm-hmm. for master's programs, but then I get interrupted on a regular basis and I have to like shuck and drive in some t- in some spaces like,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: um, I really like how you create space though, at the same time for us still to, to, to be ourselves. Like yeah. when we're on, you know, when we're all on Google Meets, everyone gets like space is held. Space is held for us yeah. to be uh, freely, authentically ourselves and be honest about what. Like, listen, one more person call me and I don't know what's going. I don't know what's going to happen. Like, yeah. and and I really appreciate and value that. You know, um, how well you balance. You know that work and real life.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I'm glad that you feel like you have that space to be your whole self um, as much as possible at work. Because it is hard, like, being on the phone and having, like, systems crashing and lists not working and, like people don't know what you're talking about or people know exactly what you're talking about lying. like mm-hmm. all of the things going on it's really really frustrating and I know there's a performance that y'all have to do when you're on the phone with motor like you can't respond <laughs> the way you may want to respond so like you need a space to get all of that off your chest um and with your coworkers, workers right because there is like, ways that we can talk to and complain with our family members and our friends about work, but if they don't do the same thing, there's not going to be that same level of understanding. Um, But if we are able to have a space where we all do the same thing and we all know what's going on and we can all, like, talk about the bullshit (laughs) and be able to say, this is some bullshit um, without any risk of, like, penalty or anything like that is necessary. A A little healthy... A little healthy shit talking, a little healthy mess.
0: (laughs) And so, what does your self-care regimen look like these days? Oh, man. Um, So, the past two, three weeks, can't really
1: answer that question, honestly. (laughs) Um, Just because I've been so kind of wrapped up with work and some other things that are going on for me. Um, But typically what my self-care regimen has looked like as of late Um, pole classes. I've been taking these pole dance classes that are actually like life and it is a way for me to just be like completely distracted and like not thinking about work or politics or workshops or whatever. Um, It's something physical, it's something creative and it's also something that's really, really improving like my self-image. Um, So self care has been looking like pole classes. It also looks like um, just being intentional with who I spend my time with and who's around me. Um, Just enjoying the company that I have, enjoying the company that I am. First of all, and making sure that I'm always like prioritizing me. Mm -hmm. Um, I my personal sort of philosophy is that I am the most important person. Um, to myself it's always like community over me but in regards to like interpersonal like one on one things I'm always going to choose myself over other people Um, and just for context I don't have kids so like there's that (laughs) (laughs) but um, yeah it's just like prioritizing me like really sitting thinking about like what do I want right now what do I need right now and like looking at myself like a toddler sometimes so it's just like i'm cranky i'm irritable have i eaten yet am i hungry right um, do i need to take a nap <laughs> uh do i need something else right. that'll make me feel better it's just like really just <laughs> it's really just this like constant system of checks and balances figuring out what i want what i need taking care of my needs first and then
0: creating space to detach Um, so um i mentioned the haiku workshop and it really inspired me to create like some ratchet haikus i love a ratchet haiku (laughs) um but i'm gonna save that for uh when we we post this but um okay (laughs) but um do you have any particular style of poetry that you prefer? Um, and so going back to this
1: whole, whole like theme of escapism and un, like stepping away. Um, for me, when I write, I often like to write about, um, like I like to write, I like persona pieces. Um, So I like trying to step into somebody else for whatever that moment is or whatever the story is and try to look at things from a different perspective. Um, And I like personal pieces, not only because I think they're like incredibly creative and a little bit difficult, but also because it requires research Mm -hmm. um, and it requires you to not only be creative, but also for you to be like logical and intentional as well um like one of one of my like it's kinda cringy but it's also one of my favorite pieces that I've ever written um was a persona piece about Anthony Sowell. Um and so Anthony Sowell was a serial murderer, serial rapist, um, from Cleveland, Ohio. And at the time that I wrote the piece it was like right when all the stories broke out and right when You know, everybody found out everything that was going on and it it just like, I was going through, also going through some emotional things at that time and needed to get away from my own things and step into somebody else's story. So it's like, that's like the prime example, but I love, love, love Persona pieces. Um, Nobody on this green earth, well, it's turning a little brown now, (laughs) but nobody on this planet Whatever and they're like hear me rap, but I definitely write
0: rap. <laughs> would you be would you be open to sharing something? Oh no ma'am,
1: no oh. ma'am, no ma'am, not at all. Not even a little bit. Love what? you so much. <laughs> a poem? And I
0: love appreciate you so much. Um <laughs> I'm not
1: rapping on camera. <laughs> no no no, I
0: mean like a poem. Oh a poem, poem,
1: poem.
0: Um Hmm. I'm trying to think. I might have to come back to you okay. for a poem because I'm blanking right now. No sorry. i sorry. I want to hear the one about the serial killer because let me say, um, personally, I am obsessed with serial killers. If anybody knows me, I love true crime. I love yeah. true, And I love serial killers. I'm sorry. I know that's a little bit morbid, <laughs> but like. Um... No, I have
1: serial killer documentaries and some yeah. pizza. I've seen. That's
0: so great. Like, there's rarely any serial killer documentary that, like, that you, I, no, I've seen them all. Like, I, I look for one that I haven't seen. Please. Oh, Nurses Who Kill. Uh, I watched that. Magic. 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 Nurses. Magic. That was lit. Lit, lit, lit. So, it's a fun fact. Yeah. And yeah. ironically, my entire family's from Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, yes. Turn up. Shout out to the 216. Um, yeah. Shout out to the 216.
1: That's <laughs> it.
0: Um, So Cleveland is near and dear to my heart. Oh, I got to go. You made me sad. I miss my family. Um,
1: Have you ever had a Polish boy? I don't think so. See? Yeah. Next time you go to Cleveland, let me know. I'll tell you where to go. Anybody who visits Cleveland has to try a Polish boy or your
0: visit to Cleveland is incomplete. Oh, well, I've just been flouncing out here. But see that's what I'm saying. Like like my family originally is from Alabama and then, you know, in the Great Migration they migrated north. And so when I go to Cleveland, they cook and they cook down. And so yeah. normally we end up eating soul food the entire time. So as you should sure? right. Yeah. But I'll definitely make that uh make that my business. Um Yeah. So um what is one thing that you particularly contribute to? the Black Oasis, to our Black paradise?
1: Um, I think one thing that I contribute um, is probably like my, what word do I want to use? Unwavering support of Black women and girls. And that's like all Black women and girls. I firmly believe that trans women are women. I firmly believe that trans girls are girls, all of that. Um, so like, I'm wavering support for Black women and girls and our protection. And so for me, um, we all always talk about, you know, how dangerous white men are. We always talk about like the unsafety of white women. But we also need to be having some very like nuanced conversations about what safety looks like within the black community in ways that we are not safe for each other. Um, And so I think that's what I do. I think I am really open to having, especially with the black men in my life, like my friends, family, having conversations with them about ways that they can show up better for for black women and girls. Um, And then also talk, because we are not safe for each other all the time either. What do you mean by Um, that? More. Uh, black uh, about black women and girls we often treat each other as competition um, and you know there is no real prize right. <laughs> for whatever it is that we're competing for um, but we often treat each other as competition and so like for me um, a big part of that is acknowledging like my own growth so like you know seven, eight years ago I was in respectability politics. I was, you know, borderline homophobic. Part of that is not only because of, you know, the religiousness of my family and what that looks like, but it's also, you know, me not realizing that I was bisexual young and having a lot of internalized homophobia. Um, And then also with the respectability politics, I am very much pro-Black, pro-queer, pro-ho. And... um, (laughs) Realizing that I had a lot of internalized things because who I was behaving as is very, um, you know, sexually reserved, is very, like, verbally reserved. But like, the way I speak now was definitely not the way I used to talk. The way I dress now is not the way I used to dress at all. I am now who I always wanted to be, but because I was afraid to be her back then, I hated her. And so... For me, it's like not only like I'm learning all of that for myself, but it's also like fully acknowledging and sitting in the shit that I used to say, fully acknowledging and sitting in who I used to be and talking about why she was so harmful and hoping that like my sort of understanding of myself and other people and duality um, can help other people have those conversations with themselves. Definitely. Shout out Pro Ho. Listen, right up my ass. Yes. Um, yes, Pro Ho. Everybody needs like naps and water and orgasms, <laughs> and I think like we will be in a much better,
0: <laughs> in a much better place. I live. Uh, I can't. So, um, if you had one wish for Black people, what would it be? Uh man.
1: Just one? Uh... Peace, I think one. Um, Cause like freedom, I would say freedom, but freedom looks different for everybody. Um, some people, their freedom is steeped in the oppression of other people. So I can't really say I want freedom for all black people, um, because you know capitalists, Republicans, Hotheads, all of them. <laughs> right. Like their freedom right. is rooted in our, in some of our oppression. So for me, I would say peace. Um, and peace is an internal thing. It's something that does not have anything to do with anybody else. And I think once we are all at peace with ourselves, freedom will come, safety will come, all of those other things that we're grasping for will come once we are settled.
0: And I'll say this, you know, being a dark-skinned woman, I feel like I'm not gonna compare to anybody else's experience, but it's been a challenge in this country too. Oh, amen. Find myself beautiful, find myself worthy. Um, are there any any desert like places that you've had to matriculate through that you've had to overcome, um, that you've had to dismantle, any oppressive uh and, and specifically around complexion, you know, um anything yeah. that you've had to combat?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're so pretty for a dark girl, you're so pretty like all of those mm. things and it, it's like, um, so one thing I think is very interesting is, like, the cultural shift now where, like, dark skinned girls are, like, the wave right. and everybody loves melanin and all the hashtags and <laughs> all the everything. So I think societally we are shifting where, um, darker skin is now, like, becoming the preference. Yeah. Um so I think that is like a weird space to be in as well because it went from being like belittled and dehumanized to now being fetishized which is also kind of dehumanizing mm-hmm. um, so it's just uh, we, we're we always going to have to matriculate we're always going to have to learn and adapt and just and vet, you know folks real intentions when interacting with us am I because it's also like this tokenization thing that's starting to happen now too where it's just like oh look we got a dark skinned girl in our campaign for this <laughs> makeup ad or like oh shit we got one dark skin model on the runway wearing these clothes and things and it's just like it there's i have so many feelings about it because like on one hand i'm glad that we're finally getting to a point where everybody well not everybody but where a lot of people feel comfortable, like, being open and honest about our beauty and not even just, like, oh, their attraction to us, but us as human beings being beautiful and worthy and all of these things, but it's also, like, you know, what is the emphasis for it? Where did this come from? Because, like, not too long ago, you know, not too long ago, the opinion was very different. The statements that were being made about dark-spin women are different. Um, So, Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a lot. It's a lot. What I will say is that, like, what want your money? The price. I will say the price for. Mm, no, that's not easy either. I'm trying to not say um a lot, so just pause. <laughs> no, <you're fine. laughs> Yeah, I will say, um, as far as, like, moving through different spaces as a dark-skinned woman, I know that I have to, in the past, I would have to be more mindful of how I behave. So, like, the same way, you know, someone who's much lighter than me can be upset and express that anger. If she's Black, there's still going to be this sort of, like, uneasiness about it, but Her being light skin and upset is going to be far less intimidating than me being upset. And so it's this dance you have to do where you have to like learn how to say what you want to say and mean it, but also not scare people.
0: And girl, it's a buff. I'm tired. You know what? That's true. But I just thought about that. That's such a good point because. I'm like why 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 is our rage or hurt or pain so much more unsettling and I think I mean oh, go ahead, no, go ahead. <laughs> and I, I just think like I think because it's like somewhere people know like there's a particular way we've been done dirty a particular way we've been done dirty um, mm-hmm. even just back to plantations like you know colorism we were outside while other people were indoors neither one was a healthy space right but like it's like I know what I did to you I know where I've placed you I've know how I know how I've kept you I know how I've abused you and Mm -hmm. you know your rage is justified but I don't want to have to endure it I don't want to have to feel it I don't want to have to see it know i'm frightened by it i'm frightened by the reckoning that would ensue you know
1: Mm, absolutely because if you acknowledge my anger is violent in this space then you know intrinsically you know that all the anger all the anger that we've had (laughs) is violent and there is like yeah there is this fear that a reckoning is gonna happen and allowing us to have a voice who's allowing you know the ancestors who look like us to have a voice and they don't want to hear what they have
0: to say they're not ready not ready ready. but it's gonna happen Mm -hmm. it's happening captain i mean i'm not you know i think um it's you to create space because i mean Mm -hmm. i i don't necessarily you know if i do choose to have children i don't want to pass down any ancestral rage unnecessary Mm because i know that i have inherited some some fire so much you know yeah and i would like to do some work in my lifetime to to lighten the load lighten the load Mm -hmm. for my legacy um yeah but it's got to come out got to come out um Mm -hmm. well thank you so much so so, so 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 much you are so you dope having- alana oh my god Stop, you are <laughs> i mean like <laughs> literally you. you are magical and i am so inspired like i'm like okay well then, let me find a pole dance class you know because i got boys. i got you. i got, body. I got inc- listen
1: listen and you deserve to showcase that body in whatever way you would like and poll class. I need the information. We can, we might be able to link okay, up so we'll together. It's that a class. fun.
0: That HBO for the poll days. Um, oh, definitely. Definitely. But thank you so much. Keep shining. You are such a vibrant light. You are such a blessing. You are powerful, dynamic, beautiful, wise, balanced, mature, healthy, a leader. And I'm just so grateful to know you. So grateful to know you. Thank you so much for blessing this podcast with your presence. And Thank you so much. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much for having me. And like, honestly, the only reason, you know, I'm comfortable accepting all of those compliments is because I'm honestly a reflection of all the Black women around me, including you. Um, you are... Incredibly decisive, forward-thinking, insightful, creative. Your poems are bomb as fuck.
0: (laughs) I appreciate your energy and your presence every time we have to speak at work. Absolutely. Thank you so much. So um, thank you all for listening to the Black Oasis podcast. You can follow us on social media at BlackOasisATL. That's on Instagram and Facebook and the website www.blackoasis.org. Until next time, stay Black, but you don't really have a choice.